evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg with you along with Stephanie Burke, the silent assassin Matt Costa, and science advisor Matt Moniz. Yes, we are all here together. When was the last time this happened? When was the last time that we were all here for a show? Does anybody remember? Nope. I remember. It was uh, September 13th, 1943. Right. Good guess. Good memory. <laughs> it was either that or um, like maybe a couple of weeks ago. The only one that was alive was maybe Moniz. He was. He was just just fresh out of uh, fresh out of grammar school, I believe he was. The young whippersnapper, Matt Moniz. We are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. Glad to be back here live after last week's uh, recorded show. Thank you, Matt. I didn't even ask you. Did you come in and run a recorded show for us? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was ours, too. Oh, it was actually one of our shows? Yeah. Oh, that's that good. fantastic. I was, I was hoping maybe you ran something better. <laughs> Thank you for coming in and doing that. Uh, of course, last week I was at Salem Con, uh, which was a fantastic time. We'll talk about that a little bit later on because it, I was surprised by how much activity was going on at the location that I was investigating as part of the ghost hunt during the Saturday night portion of the event. So I'm glad I didn't have to, you know, step away to do a live remote like I did in the morning. Thank you again, Matt, for coming in uh, early in the morning. Did did uh, did I tell you the truth, by the way? I don't, I know, I get taking the money. I did. Truth. Remember when you, uh, when I texted you and I was like, the front desk is working on the Wi-Fi? Yeah, you were in the bathroom, I bet. No, no, no. Oh, I, right. I had just woken up. Oh, okay. I woke up at 5.57, and uh, and, and I, I did have the front desk working on the Wi-Fi. I called down and said, can you just make sure that I can get on the Wi-Fi? And they said, uh, yeah, no, you're fine. Oh. You're good. So I did technically have them wor- working on it, but yes. I had woken up at 5.57 and See, was like, I, oh, i got to pretend like I've been up. I thought you were just going to do the show like from the from, from the, the, uh, from the, the bathroom. Bu- the bubble bath. I yeah. could <laughs> Of your, of your luxury suite up there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll show you pictures in the hotel room. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. Uh, what, the funny part about it is, and we'll be joined by Jeff Belanger coming up in just a couple of minutes. We're going to be talking about this uh, evening of ghost stories in New England legend stage show that we have coming up on, on May 22nd. But And we also have in the studio with us Frank Grace of Trick Photography, who is the the star of that show. His work is the star of that show. So we'll get into all of that as well. Uh, but Jeff said that when he went into his room... He opened the door, and, and and there was the shower, but there was no toilet and no sink. So then he opened up another door, and that was a closet. And then he opened up another door, on the, uh, clear on the other side of the room, and there was his sink and his toilet. So And then mine, they were all in one room, but some people had, had them in another. It was just a weird hotel because it was so old. You know, it was the Hawthorne Hotel, so it was built so long ago. You know, they, they probably had outhouses when it was built, so everything's kind of strange. But uh, everybody got through it. I don't think anybody pooped in the shower. I don't think anybody threw up in the sink. Mm, awkward. Maybe. But uh, <laughs> I will tell you, it was quite the party uh, on Friday night. So I had kind of just gone into the room and passed out. And I did set the alarm, but I apparently slept right through it. And the natural alarm clock woke me up at 5.57. So, you know, just like any other day. And you even lied to me, too, because I said, how was it getting up this morning? Oh, I was fine when I got up. No, it's fine. I said to you the night before, good luck getting up in the morning. Took me a little earlier to get up. Uh, took me a little longer to get up than I thought it would, which was fine. You, you were know? sleeping in a hotel. Right. You don't want to rush and get right. up. Right. But then again, you know, it's Salem. There's so much to do, so much to see. 
we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. Again, I had mentioned that uh, we have this show coming up. It is an evening of ghost stories and New England legends. It's being presented to you by Legend Trips. It's happening May 22nd at the Blackstone River Theater, which, Frank, you've had a chance to go and check out the theater. Yes, I have. Yeah, it's a beautiful, small, tiny theater. Perfect for an event like this. It's going to be very um, close quarters, you know, no microphones on the stage or anything like that. It's going to be, you're there right in front of everything. Which, you know, shouldn't be a problem for, like, Carl and, and Andy. They're just naturally... No, when Andy you know, was there, we had to tone him down anyway just to try it out. <laughs> like, shh, quiet. The place is empty. The uh, But I'm excited about it because I think it's going to be a chance to... What we do with Legend Trips and bringing people out to uh, haunted locations, you know, you're with a group of people walking around in the dark... And you're not always there when they have some kind of an experience, when they have that moment of, whoa. But with this, we're going to be on the stage, and we're going to, I mean, obviously lights will be in our face, and it's harder to see the audience. But, you know, we'll know when the audience has that collective moment of, whoa, when we present to them these stories. And I know that when you when you get to be like we have been, all of us in this room, we've all heard so many of these stories, your senses kind of get dulled to them after a while. Uh, and you start to dissect the legend as you're hearing it. You start to say, well, okay, all right. You know, Red-headed hitchhiker of Route 44, there's other road ghosts. Uh, what are some of the reasons why we would have road ghosts? Well, as to serve as a cautionary tale, if people won't wander the roads by themselves. And I, you, know, you start like breaking these all down in your mind, and you take yourself out of the element of the story. Uh, and... And Jeff will tell us when when uh, when he calls in in a moment. He'll let us know kind of how he wanted to get back to the story. But I mean, Moniz, for somebody like yourself, you didn't have uh, television shows growing up of you know ghost hunters. There were no plumbers running into you know dark buildings uh, when when you were a kid that would serve as your impetus to want to pick up the mantle and do this. It was the story. It was yeah. It was those tales. Closest that, that I would have to it probably would have been you know uh, in search of. That would have been, you know, one of the only ones that would have been close. But even that show did a fantastic job of presenting factual information in a creepy and ghost story type of a way. I mean, they had, you know, the all the organ music and... Yeah, the good effects you know, for its day. Yeah, Nimoy's narration, which was always, you know, it was always um, very matter-of-fact, very Spock-like, but at the same time, kind of had that background to it of you know if you can believe that you know it was kind of it was almost like uh you know it was almost like combining mr spock with andy lake where you have kind of that matter of fact yeah, there's tone. a difference well there is i mean it's that matter of fact tone but at the same time behind it it's kind of like you know let's spend a little bit of belief here and you'll get to go on a journey and that's what we're going to be doing with this show if you can suspend the rational for a little bit if you can suspend the need for proof, it's going to be so funny seeing paranormal investigators out in the audience that are normally like, nope, if I didn't catch it on my meter, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And have them be like, oh, yeah, because that's what we all got into this for. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll discuss through the course of the show kind of what we have planned to, through the course of tonight's show, what we have planned with this performance, what people can kind of expect. We're not going to give away any secrets. We're not going to give away everything that happens because, quite frankly, at this point, we don't really know everything that happens. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll be the fun part about it. But we'll also, I want to talk with Frank about his work because he's been somebody who we've known you for a long time now. And 
before I'd even, you know, I remember you had kind of emailed and, and, and contacted before I'd even seen any of your work. And we've said it uh, before on the show, and, and I'll say it again. You tell a ghost story with a photograph, and you can capture everything about the haunting in every every feeling, every emotion of the haunting in those photographs. And that's what's key to this show. Because if we just stood up there and told stories, yeah, that might be interesting for a few minutes. But with the visuals that we'll have behind them, it's it's going to be an actual tour of these places. And you've actually had the opportunity, by obviously going out and taking these photos, to tour yourself. You've gone on the same tour of New England that we're trying to take the audience on. While we're trying to take them all on this tour from their seat, Frank has actually gone out there in his trusty Jeep and, yep. and experienced all these yeah, places. I, I have been very lucky to visit most of these places where it's, it's it was a dream going to these places and being able to bring a camera inside of there. Because many of the places, they don't allow you know photographers inside of those places. So. And you always can tell which places those are because when you post the pictures of all your photographer friends are like, how did you get in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been drying for years. And, uh, and speaking of, uh, of geniuses... We have joining us on the line, the, <laughs> kind of the mastermind, the, the mad scientist behind this whole idea, Jeff Belanger. Jeff, good evening. Thank you for joining us. I know you've had a, a busy day. Yeah. Hey, guys. Good to be with you tonight. And it's always good to have you on the show. Uh, and, of course, can we, can we tell people what you've been working on today since they can get excited about it? Yeah. No, I was out uh, filming New England Legends, the next episode today. We were out in, uh, in um, Princeton, Massachusetts, looking for the ghost of Martha Keys and, of course, the legend of Lucy Keys, her daughter. I was uh, hoping that you would find Alicia Keys. I think I left my CD in your car. <laughs> oh, wow. You just uh, you just went and threw yourself under the bus, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't really listen to Alicia Keys. I couldn't no, name you a song. Don't lie. But uh, so we were discussing how, you know, this idea, the, you know, the impetus for putting on this show is the beautiful imagery of, of Frank's work. But this is something you've been thinking about for a long time. Yeah, well, only because of Frank, honestly. I mean, Frank's the genius. We're going to just ride his coattails on this thing. Um, <laughs> let, let there be no doubt about it. No, it was, it was like a year and a half ago. And, of course, um, Frank and I did the, the Haunted New England calendar. And that was, you know, I've wanted to do a calendar forever. And then, it, it, you know, and then I saw Frank's photos. and I'm not a good enough photographer, not even, not even close. I don't even know which end of the camera, you know, takes the picture. <laughs> So I've always wanted to do this calendar, and then when I saw Frank's photos, I'm like, hey, you want to team up and do this? He said, that'd be great. We did the calendar. Everybody loved it. It was, it was amazing. And I thought, man, a stage show of ghost stories. It's just where these things belong. And to just team up with Frank again on this was, was just a no-brainer when I knew he was involved, when I knew you were involved, and then Andrew Lake and, of course, Carl Johnson. Uh, I, I said this would just be an amazing thing to watch. I would want to be in the audience for something like that. And so it just kind of came together. And so the, the idea, you know, we, we talked, and I told you about it, Tim, like a year ago, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was just one of those things where, you know, you can put something like that off forever. Or you can call the theater, put down your money, book it, start selling tickets and say, hey, guys, we got to put a show together, <laughs> which is the road we decided to go on. Oh, yeah. I, I still remember when, when, I, when I took that phone call from you when we were discussing the idea originally. I was outside. It was a warm night. I was standing out in my backyard. The, the, the sky was dark. The stars were all out. And as you're telling me this, and I'm standing there in the woods of you know New England hearing you talk about this. is like, yes, this has to happen. And this is the feeling. The feeling that I feel right now is the feeling that we have to convey to the audience. And I think Frank's photographs will do a fantastic job of that. And also, so will the stories that we've uh, put together. It's, you know, the thing is, that the I, I mean, I do a lot of lectures all over the place. And once in a while, I get to do them from a theater. 
uh, where, where there's an, an audience. And lectures are different. And th- while there's definitely tons of ghost story elements, it's still like, you know, theories and so on. And it's, it's still about, you know, you presenting your ideas. A ghost story, whether, you know, and I'm thinking like a ghost tour kind of thing, is a performance in a way. You mm-hmm. know, you, you're, you're telling and celebrating the, the story of a location. And people love ghost tours. There's, you know, did you know that the city of Chicago has five competing ghost tour companies? Wow. Five. That's just Chicago, you know. I mean, there's so many towns because people want to see this stuff. They want to go somewhere and they want to, you know, be part of the history, be part of the legend in that way. And so I, I just feel like this stage show is like nothing that's been done before. You know, we, we're, we're bringing the ghost tour to the stage. We're bringing the stories to the stage. And, you know, Frank can tell an entire ghost story with just an image. And we're going to see tons of them. It's not going to just be a couple. It's going to be a lot. So to match up the stories with the actual, lo- you know, the images of the location and the, and the creepy way that only Frank can deliver, I think is just going to be an amazing night. And then, you know, because I believe in if you're going to bite off more than you can chew, bite off way more than you can chew. <laughs> so we're also turning this into a documentary for PBS where we're filming the whole process. Uh, my partner for New England Legends is, is uh, working on this, and we're, we're going to film the behind the scenes, which we've already been doing. We're going to film the performance because i think you know we've had some great discussions just in our rehearsals you know what makes a great ghost story the way we critique each other hey that's great but what if you added this element or what if you said this part sooner and 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 stuff like that i just really feel like the the four of us just work well together and there's just a there's a, there's a lot to say on the subject well when we first got together for the the first kind of discussion and the first filming of the documentary you know there's a, there's going to be a lot of moments that were captured that people will see when it airs on PBS of us discussing the nature of, of ghost stories and the nature of these legends and all of that. And what's funny about that is it's really no different than the conversations that we all have with each other, even when there are no cameras around. It, 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 and this is you're right. This is the stuff we talk about when when no one else is around. We sit there and we, you know, we debate about these things and talk about them and wonder about them. And, and you know, those of us that that write books and, and take photos and give lectures and work on television shows and so on, we're always wondering how can we get you into the story in a in an innovative and, and better way. And and I think this is. Um, you know this this is this is the next evolution of that uh, and and it's it's going to be awesome and i am just i'm i'm so excited to to do this because i just feel like it's again it's something different and something that's uh that's kind of taken things to a whole new level and um and i'm i'm psyched that to have everybody involved that is involved i i couldn't ask for more with that well what i like about it too is the reaction that we've had from people when you put this out there and as you said you know you put the idea out there before we even really knew what the idea was going to formulate into and and people were responding and what we're seeing a lot of too is we're seeing a lot of people in the paranormal community who are wanting to come out to see this, people who you think are are saying to themselves, well, I'm, I'm kind of beyond, you know, I, I don't like to see the recreation of these stories on, on, on uh, paranormal television. I don't want to see the uh, fictionalized version of these accounts, but then you get them wrapped up into the ghost story and everything changes. They get back to the root of why they care about this in the first place. Exactly, and that's the thing. You know, I've, I've been preaching for years. I said, listen, it's always about the story first. Always, always has been. Any ghost hunting show you've ever seen, Anyone, forever, for going back decades and decades, it all started with a story. Someone heard some great story that they felt compelled to go investigate. Like Frank was saying before, you know, he hears about some of these places. He's compelled. He wants to go there with his camera. He wants to, to chronicle and become part of the story. We all do. You know, we go there. We walk through these places. We turn off the lights. 
and we sometimes have experiences. But if nothing else, we, we've got a story to tell because they don't go away. You know, today I spent the day in, in Princeton, uh, you know, the legend of Lucy Keys. This girl disappeared in April of 1755. 1755, 260 years ago uh, this month. What's amazing to me is that how many how many girls have disappeared, uh, been abducted, whatever, uh, since 1755 in Massachusetts? Probably, but, probably hundreds, uh, if not more. I'm sure more than hundreds. But we still talk about Lucy. We still talk about her. Her story does not go away. There's a power to it. There's something there that that keeps it going time and time again. For some reason, some of these buildings have stories, and we talk about Slater Mill. We talk about the Lizzie Borden house. We don't talk about other buildings that are just as old, if not older, but have no story attached to them. Some of these places absolutely enchant us, and that's why we're doing this. And and that's why you can tell that the, the passion is there for us as the storytellers uh, to convey these legends. And, you know, we always say, like, with Legend Trips events that you're you're becoming part of the legend. And everybody that comes out to this show will be part of that because they'll be continuing on with this great tradition of, of New England ghost stories. It, it is. It's going to be great. And I, I think that um, – and, and, you know, the, the other part you started to touch on it, you said how supportive, you know, people that know us have been and buying tickets right away. You know, I can tell you right now, there are 25 tickets left. Whoa. That's it. There's 25 left, and there's a month to go. This is going to sell out. We've burned through them. We've burned through them just on the idea. And, and now that you know the show's actually coming together, it's, it's, it's going to be great. But I love how people – it's so hard because you know, people ask, well, what is this? I'm like, well, it's not fiction, and it's not a lecture. We're not going to be like playing you know, data clips and talking about the nature of EVP or anything like that. It's not like that. And it's not, it's not like, you know, a, a, a musical. <laughs> it's not spoken word. It's certainly not a poetry slam. It, you know, it's, it, it, trust us is all we've been saying. And right. people, and people have. So thank you for well, that. Well, it also helps you. They're willing to trust us when it's only $15 a ticket in advance, $20 at the door. Right. Yeah. No, so. that, that, that helps. But I, but I do say, I think people get that these are all, we, we've, we've, you, we've done all these elements before. We've talked about these places. Frank obviously has photographed them. You know, we've explored them. We've investigated them, and we, we understand the history of these places. We're just bringing it together in an innovative way, uh, in a in a stage performance. And we're going to be dressed up in everything. You're going to see Tim like you know. Tim's going to be looking fine. I will be. Yes, I actually I, I trim the beard for it and everything. So <laughs> that that's. 15 bucks right there. That, that beard was starting to become a New England legend in its own right, so it I figured... Was. I think uh, there was a Pukwudgie living in there. We couldn't, we couldn't let that steal away the focus, so, the, <laughs> so no. I had to get rid of it. No, that's but, true. Again, so it's going to be yourself, myself, uh, and Carl Johnson, and Andrew Lake will all be sharing these stories with you. Frank will have all of his uh, photography on the screen, and it's really going to be, you know... What I like about it is we've got four people telling these stories who are enthusiastic about these tales, not just sharing them with the audience, but just constantly researching them. And even though we might know them inside and out, we're always finding new and different twists that we can share with the audience. Absolutely. And, and I'm curious, too, you know, Frank, Frank's been out there taking these pictures for years. You know, uh, what do you feel, Frank, when you're going into these locations? And, I, I mean, it's got to be more than just the building. What do you what do you looking for when you when you take your camera to these places well it's it's kind of oh boy it it's trying to capture what the feeling is there i'm 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 about as 
you know, sensitive as a, as a block of wood when it comes to any kind of psychic stuff or feeling things or any kind of, like, intuition like that. So I, I try to, you know, capture it in a photograph. And, um, again, the whole reason I go to these places is the story behind what's behind it. You know, I'm there, and a lot of times the places are dark. I, I take long exposures, so... I have time to think about what I'm doing, and it's uh, as the camera's you know shooting away, and I'm you know not doing anything. I'm just looking around and like well, I I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe you know this happened here or that happened here or, or the story. This this story goes together with it. It's all um, I go for the history and and for the story. The story is always in the back of my mind, sure. always. And what's interesting about that to me is that you didn't say you're there for the visual. You know, you're not thinking to yourself, if I go and shoot that, that'll make a great shot because I've seen the way that the building looks. You know, you're looking for the substance that's behind the photo, and your photo is just a a window into that. You know, for me, it really, it's like an addiction to go to these places and shoot them and capture an image of these places. It's, my wife will tell you, I drive her nuts when I'm I'm going away, (laughs) you know, last minute I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm going away for the weekend to, you know, West Virginia, or it's it's just, it's it's an obsession to go in these places. I think I want to experience something, but I can't, so this is as close as I'm going to get to it. And and to to be chosen to have you guys tell these stories behind with these images, it's it's the most amazing compliment I could ever dream of having. It, It is... Usually I just look at these pictures, you know, somebody will tell me, hey, that, that came out really nice, it's good, but to actually have somebody want to tell a story and have that as the backdrop behind them, I, I can't even describe how that feels. It's, it's amazing. I'm so excited about this project, and every time we meet, and it, it's just it's building up more and more. Yeah, no, it's, you know, we've, we've been getting together about every two weeks, um, you know, to um – uh, at Slater Mill, actually, they've been generous enough to, to let us use their space and, and their um, their their sponsor of the event, which we're very grateful for. Um, and it's it's great to rehearse there. You know, it's this is the this building that goes back centuries is also haunted and just definitely adds to it. But um, but it was cool to see. I know in the last round, just to see each of us start to tell the story. And I think, as Frank pointed out, there, there are four distinct voices, four distinct styles. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's every each each of you have your own different voice. It's going to be so different. And and I think the the key is that because when people when I uh, started telling people about this uh, idea for the show, it was like, well, you know, I'll go. But I said, no. It's, I said it's it's stories. It's not about ghost theory and, and um, EVP. And this is why you should believe. I said, no. This is going back to the old campfire sitting by the campfire telling spooky stories and, and, and the legends that go with them. That's right. I'm pretty, pretty excited for it. Well, yeah. Jeff, we'll let you get to bed because I know that you've had a long day of filming and, and, and we're keeping you up late. Thank you for... Oh, shucks, thanks. No, yeah, tomorrow we're, we're, we're going out again. It's, um, uh, I'm, 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 have you ever heard of the Shaker Fountain of Youth? No. Well, you will. Nice. That's where I'm going tomorrow, and uh, if all goes well, I will live forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and if it doesn't go well, uh, hopefully it's uh, you know it's still a cool story and a cool legend. To uh, is it in Maine? No, it's in Massachusetts. Um, it's it's uh, the, this this the the spring house has not been opened in like a century, and um, I don't think anyone's I don't think anyone's taken a drink from it in at least a century. So. Um, 
I will. <laughs> I, I have a bottle of booze in my basement that nobody's drank out of in like 25 years if you want to try and drink that, but I think that will uh, shorten your life as yeah, opposed no, to my, they, we'll see. So if I live forever, um, you know, if I choose wisely, right, then I will uh, I will live forever. And if I choose poorly, uh, you know, you're going to have to do the stage show without me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, and we will see you. we'll see you coming up this week. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Have a great night. You too. That is Jeff Belandry. You know him from 30-odd minutes. He's the writer and researcher of Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. You see him all over New England all the time giving lectures, but now he'll be part of this event. He is uh, the – this is really his his baby and uh, his idea. And I like I said, you know, I remember hearing him talk about this and, and hearing him describe what was in his mind. And my first thought was, well, that's, you know – that's not really all that different, people telling ghost stories. But then when he's talking about the whole, I'm like, whoa, wait, <laughs> that is different. Not only is that different, that's really different in today's climate of telling these stories. So where you know our natural tendency is to, to try and debunk ghost stories and, and try and find a way of finding the truth behind the story. And now we don't we don't care about that. We don't care what the truth is. We just care about what the good story is, and that's part of what you'll experience when you come out to this event. And we've got twenty five tickets left. That's it. Yeah. And I just want to stress, by the way, it's easy to say like, "Oh, well, they only have twenty five tickets left because they gave away a bunch of tickets on the radio, or their family is coming, and they're going to pack the house." We didn't do any of that stuff. Nope. We decided that because it was such a small venue. We were going to make sure that every ticket was available for the people that wanted to buy them and go and see the show. So we, we don't have any set aside for our family. If any of our families come in, they're buying a ticket. We don't have any set aside for media. There's no tickets set aside for stage show reviewers or any of that stuff. This is going to be all audience, all legitimate audience that will probably come armed with rotten tomatoes and other assorted vegetables just in case. I'm glad I'm not talking at this thing. Yeah, you'll be safely behind us. The screen will get hit, but, you know. But uh, it, it's it's going to be, and, and if it works out the way that we're envisioning in our minds, which I, I'm I'm pretty confident that it will, uh, I think you'll you'll be entertained because it's going to be seamless. It's not going to be like you have to wait. It's not like when you see other shows where the curtain closes for a few seconds and then you got to wait. You got to wait as they set up the next scene and all of that. Oh, you know, our sets are Frank's photographs, which he'll be controlling, so we don't have to have all this transition time in between. It's just going to be boom, 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 story run after one story right after the other. Uh, so it should be pretty exciting. So there's 25 tickets left. You can get them by going to legendtrips.com. Don't wait, because those 25 will be gone. Salem Con people were talking about it, uh, right and left, and and I think that this is something that uh, they're they're going to gravitate towards. So it's $15 in advance, $20 at the door, but there won't be any at the door. You have to get them in advance. Frank, I do want to discuss for the remainder of the show, I want to talk about your career as a photographer and, and, and the, the work that you have done. But one of the questions that came up when I was talking about the stage show with folks at SalemCon, one of the questions that came up, they said, well, you get to go to all of these great places. A lot of the times you have access to them kind of carte blanche and on your own. Mm-hmm. And, and the person commented to me, well, he must be coming back with all kinds of great photographic anomalies from these places he he must be capturing all this great photography of of even just orbs or all this stuff he must be getting something on on a photograph and he must be sending you stuff all the time i don't think you've ever sent me a photograph and said i think there's something weird in this there has only been one photograph that i've ever taken that had uh, an orb type of thing in it that was at the paint house in the fireplace there was a blue glowing orb like above in like hovering in the fireplace 
There's also like a silver dish in the fireplace along with the mirror. Wow. So it could have been just a reflection. Now, I was with my dad. He was taking photos, too. The first time he got this thing, this picture of this blue thing in the fireplace, I didn't. The second time I did, and he didn't. Um, but uh, I can say that there's nothing that I can't explain in any of the photographs. Un- unfortunately, I mean, I would, oh, oh, my God, I would love to get, like, an apparition or a face or anything like that. But, um, no, and, nothing. And you mentioned... Uh, however, now, to, to, to add to that, I never use a flash. So that's probably why I'm not seeing... It's definitely why I'm not seeing any orbs or right. dust particles or moisture or anything like that. Well, you had mentioned when we were talking with Jeff, you had said that, uh, you know, you haven't had an experience. So when you're alone in these places, you've never had anything strange that's happened? And This this past, uh, at the end of last year, I went to um, West Virginia and visited uh, Moundsville. So I went to the uh, West Virginia State Pen. And there's the, um, oh, what do they call the, the solid down there? Um, uh, sugar the, Shack. The Sugar Shack. Mm-hmm. I'm there with two other people, and they're outside, and I go down to the sugar shack. There's, there's no lights down there. I have a flashlight, and that's it. And I'm standing in this complete pitch-black darkness sugar shack. And I'm, I, I've seen all the shows. I know the, the, the stories that happen. And, and, I'm like, it, it, and if you don't know I? the stories, there's a reason why it's called the sugar shack, and, and it's I'm in a prison. Of, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing in here alone? <laughs> you know, I'm completely alone. I'm looking. I'm like, what am I going to do if something happens down here? But... Uh, yeah, I, I just, it just, nothing has. See, you stole my question, because that's what I was going to ask. Just seeing some of the pictures you've taken, even, like, the asylums, everything that you've been in, the backdrop to all of those pictures are, like, creepy, rusty, old. Right, and I right. know that you don't use a flash, and some of those don't have any electricity at all. Right, right, Not yeah. even a creepy feeling, being in pitch darkness? The In pitch darkness, no. The only time I had a creepy feeling was at the uh, stadium theater. Mm-hmm. They're redoing the stadium building that's attached to it. It's all decayed. Um, it's all rotten. Um, but it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. There's nice, beautiful tiles on the floor. The woodwork is crazy. There's murals on some of the ceilings going up and down the stairs. But it's that classic, this place has to be haunted mm-hmm. type of feel. And um, I was there, with uh, again, with my dad. They actually asked us to come in to photograph the before pictures because they're going to um, restore the place. Oh, that's cool. So they wanted some, they liked the creepy, decayed mm-hmm. um, before pictures. So I went in there and I'm in one of the buildings and my father's in on the same floor and he says, hey, Frankie, come here. So I go find him and he's, he's in one of the rooms. Now this room is wide open, twice mm-hmm. the size of this room, all, you know, views of the street, plenty of sunlight coming in, you know, not dark. There's no decay, no paint peeling it's just an empty room mm-hmm. and uh so he i walk in the room he says come in, come on in here i'm like what like walk in he's like no come a little bit closer i'm like okay and i'm walking i'm like oh, my dad's lost it right he's finally gone <laughs> i i walk one more foot and all of a sudden i have this sinking feeling and I said, Dad, I gotta leave this room. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start crying. Mm-hmm. And he's like, That's exactly what I feel. I'm like, well, I don't know why I'm feeling this. There's nothing in this room. You know, it doesn't have that look of a, a creepy room. As soon as you walked out of the room, it was gone. Hmm. The room used to be a dentist mm-hmm. office. It wasn't anything, you know, um, 
Well, the, depend, it, depends on how you feel about well, the dentist. That is but. true. That is true. But that's the only time I actually felt anything like that. Actually, so see that I could yet? not explain. The wood block, the, the block of wood thing didn't work then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. That that time was the only mm-hmm. time, and it was it was pretty moving. And you're that. pretty open to this stuff too. I Absolutely. Mean, There's a reason I go. I hope right? something's going to happen. You know. Well, I think that uh, and you mentioned your dad taking photographs as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that he was. Kind of what got you into photography, or was it? Oh yeah, yeah. He he had you know he had the old, the film cam uh, film cameras, and as a kid, I'd, I'd look at him and say so he he was he's really the cause of all this because he would always watch in search of. He had all the books of his big thing was UFOs. Any UFO book he had, I had to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't talk about it that much, but he'd have it on TV, and I was just oh my, it, it it's just. Um, I'm giving you the symbol for just talk a, talk a little closer to the microphone. Okay. So, um, but it was just anything mysterious. He was he was very into all that type of stuff, and along with photography. Um, so, yeah, he got me into it, but it never really happened until much later on. I didn't really get pick up a camera until well, much later. But did did was he taking you to these places, these abandoned places? Were you like kind of doing like urban exploring as a kid, going and checking out some of these locations? No, I didn't do that till I was an old man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the, the you know the first urban place I went to was the Orpheum Theater in New Bedford. But um, which by the way has become one of your most iconic shots. Yeah, now. oh, I, I I love that place. I, it's unfortunate what's happening to that place, but um, we we can get into that a little bit yeah, later on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just think that it's uh, it's really interesting because uh, you know when we go and do these events, and I'm trying to even think about how it all started. You know, we started doing Legend Trips events. I think you had mentioned that if we ever needed a photographer, is that how it came? Out? No, we, did actually, we just reach out and ask you, you to were, come? You were looking for photos of a Ouija board for your book. Ah, yeah, yeah. And I sent you over a, a picture, and from there, I, I think I mentioned I mentioned sometime I wanted to go to the um, Slater Mill event, mm-hmm. and you had said, "Why don't you come along? Take some fo- you know, you mind taking photos for us?" And and that it just blossomed from there. And- I remember that because I was there, and Tiffany and I had a complete plan that every time Frank showed up, we were going to jump into his shots because he took such nice photos <laughs> that we wanted good pictures of ourselves. So well, we I've seen some of the I've seen some of the portraitures none of you guys do. With- That's probably my most favorite picture of myself oh, ever, and I I love it. I use it for everything, and I tell everybody about his work. And, and I think that you know people are now you know if Frank doesn't make it to an event, mm-hmm. like, well, where's Frank? You know, oh, everybody like, asks. And I have to give a huge shout-out to your dad because he is the coolest guy ever. Yeah. So, Agreed. He, he really is. He should have come with you tonight because he's actually him. He's actually home with the boys. My really? wife's My wife's busy scrapbooking for the weekend, so he's watching them. Well, I hope he's listening in because tell him we miss him if, if I, I hope he's still alive. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the, 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 those kids have a lot of energy. I've seen some of the photos. You... No, he, 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 he loves he yeah. loves these events. He he this we topic is huge mm-hmm. for him. I mean he he's just in awe of everything to do with Well this. when you guys went to the sailing, you spent the entire night out on the deck in the yes. thunder. We did, yeah. Yeah, we watched yeah, we watched the thunder the the whole the whole night. You hey, you, your dad is kind of uh, somebody who is the reason why these events exist. The reason why we wanted to put on these events because he's somebody who comes into it. You know, he has a very 
uh, you know, a very rational mind when it comes to having these experiences. But he's also willing to say sometimes that I can't really explain what that was that just happened. Right. And yep. and he he takes a very pragmatic approach to it all. But he's also very open to it happening. And and he's always one of the most enthusiastic people. Without being overbearing, either, at the same time. He's a cool customer, but you can tell that he's really excited to be there and be part of those events. And and that's why I just love seeing his reaction to things. And and also, knowing that he has, just as you have, you you have a different eye than the rest of us have. You're looking at things in a different way than than I might. Because, just as I say to Stephanie all the time, I can't understand what it is that you do Mm -hmm. with your gift Frank and I just had this conversation a couple weeks ago. I can't understand how you use your gift. I look at something and I'm taking a picture. I don't understand how to take a photograph. I don't understand how to make it into a work of art like you can. We were talking about that on the show not that long ago, and I kept describing you as an artist, and I explained to everybody listening. I say artist because you're not just a photographer. The work in the editing and the dedication that you put into those photos, I've watched you shoot. Thank you. It takes you time. Like you look at it from all different angles, and you make sure you get that perfect shot, and you don't stop until you do. And I feel like that's just a gift in itself. It, it's it's it's. I I wish I could claim that I put that much into it, but it's it's. You just kind of go there, and you maybe it's the same with you. Do it. It mm-hmm. just happens. You right. know, it just ha- actually it just happens. It looks good. That's what I want. Right. Press the button. But to the rest uh, of us, it's amazing. Well, it thanks. truly is. And, and what what's it? And same for you, Stephanie. You know, you have your your gift and your ability, and mm-hmm. and you're willing to share what you've learned with other people. Right. You know, how many times have I messaged you a group message with somebody else, being like, "This person's looking for information about becoming more psychic," mm-hmm. and you're always willing to give give help where it's needed. And Frank has kind of you've developed a, a niche for yourself. Uh, you've developed kind of a, a a a role for yourself in both the paranormal world and the photography world of what it is that you do but when we go to these places and other people have their cameras and they're taking photos you have no problem explaining to them what your process is how you do the uh what's it the hdr yeah, photography yeah. that you mm-hmm. do and i just remember watching at the at the houghton mansion as you're teaching nick mantello how to do it oh right yeah. and by the end of the weekend he's he was doing making it, yeah. attempts to yeah, it he was, was doing it yeah. i just thought that was cool because you know here's something that is Mar- and I, I can't really use the word marketable with you in your work because we have to force you into selling some of these prints. Uh, but, it, but it is. It's something that you could say, well, I'm the guy that does this, and I don't really want to share it, but that's not what you want people to have the same experience that you have when they're out there filming I, this. Like, like I say, if, if I can do it, anybody else with a passion to do it can do it. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, once you get the handle of it, it's, it's easy. That's easier said than done. Well... You know, we've all taken pictures, and not all of us can make them turn out like what you did. I I will say this. I have received messages and everything. says, don't you take an awful photo? Don't you ever take an awful photo? And I say all the time. I just never share them with anybody. Yeah, why did you post those ones up? (laughs) It's it's the truth. I mean, really, that's that's the honest truth. If I recall correctly, you sent me an email a while ago. One of the photographs I took with your camera wound up doing something. Um, which one was that? Was that? Was that, that uh, I think it got deleted. At, yeah, at her right. party. Yeah, yeah. no, no mm-hmm. you took a great shot. It was at the table. Yeah, it's got to be your camera. It, that's what they say. <laughs> you it's know, the, you must have a great camera. The, I, I do. Well, but, <laughs> actually, you do. That is a neat camera. But it also too must help that. You know, you've gone through. There, there's been a great degree of trial and error for you too with going to these places. I mean, you've you've kind of done it enough now that you know how to go about filming them. 
But every location must present its own unique challenges. Absolutely. Wherever, as easy as I say it is, and, you know, once finding the right angle and, and all that other stuff that, you know, the aesthetics of it, every single place is different. It always, um, I heard some photographers saying that photography is um, problem solving. And it is. It's, it's exactly what it is. Um, so, yeah, and every place is different. Um, there's always something unique about it, whether it's, you know, light blasting through a window, ruining the shot, get, making all this lens flare that, you know, could be a ghost. Right. Or, or uh, you know, some chromatic aberration that's a purple that's, uh, oh, that's, you know, that purple orb is a, is a spirit or something that's, like that's that. That's grandma, yep. That, yeah, <laughs> she exactly. So, yeah, it, it's definitely um, problem solving. And every place, totally different. Was there ever any place, I mean, uh, obviously, as we mentioned, you have access to places that a lot of other photographers don't get a chance to. I mean, some of your iconic shots of the Mark Twain house, uh, some of your shots, uh, I mean, you get into places that we, as legend trippers, can't even get into. The, I mean, Ma- the Mark Twain house was, was an incredible opportunity. I have been writing to them for years, you know, asking if I can go in there. And, and a lot of these places, I'll tell them, listen, I'll, I'll donate the photos. You know, I'll donate what I get. Just, I just want to go in there, try to um, work on my craft, and um, I'll, I'll share, you know, what I have in return for being able to go in there. And it was always, no, 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 they have signs everywhere, no photography allowed. Right, they won't yeah. let you bring your camera in. Well, you know, Jeff calls them and says, look, we're doing this calendar. We want to put you on the calendar. And they said, here's the number. Call, call this guy. And uh, it was Jacques. Mm-hmm. Call him and um, set up a time to go there. So I went there and not thinking, you know, I go in there with a camera and people are coming up to me. They're not going to let you bring that in there. <laughs> I said, yeah, they are. <laughs> this, this time I'm pretty sure they are. So um, <clears throat> met Jacques, went in there, and, and he it took a couple of shots of the outside. I said, I need a shot of um, one of the daughter's rooms that's going to be uh, just right in the, uh, the blurb about it for the calendar. And um, he, three hours later, I was, we hit every floor, every room, Jacques stayed there, he talked to me, he brought the art director in there, and he was like, hey, you got enough? I'm like, I, I can't believe you guys let me in here this long. And, and I just was there to get a couple of shots, and and uh, actually after that, they, they, they bought everything. And, and when you go into there and you get the, the pamphlet and everything, the, they have the, the literature out there for right. it? Yep. It features your photographs. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> first of all, two funny stories though about the Mark Twain house is one when we had our Legend Trips event there, which they've never let anybody right. do yep. before or since. They they want us to come back, but they have not let anybody else in there to do it. Obviously, one of the problems with having to have a paranormal event there is no photographs, no flash photography. Right, right. you can't take a, a photograph at a Legend Trips event without the flash on because mm-hmm. we're in the dark. They suspended that, and they allowed us to film flash photography for that event because they knew that you were there and because they trusted the way that you had taken care and, and the way that you know, so they knew that we weren't going to be a bunch of hacks in there. And then the other thing that I thought was hilarious, we were getting ready for the event. They were still in the process of, of closing the museum down for the day, mm-hmm. and our people were still gathering together. There was like still some crossover of people that were trying to get in and see the house before they shut it down for the night. And the stereotypical group of Japanese tourists show up with their cameras. And they're telling them, no cameras, no cameras, no cameras. And, of course, stereotypical Japanese tourists, they 
want their cameras everywhere. They're telling them no cameras as Frank's walking by carrying in all this equipment. <laughs> case of equipment <laughs> behind me. And I don't know what the Japanese word is for, but what about that guy? <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that that's what I heard that night. So, but that that was an incredible place. Was there is there a place that you have been trying to get into to photograph that's been turning you away, or not that they want to call anybody out on um, air, but maybe they have legitimate reasons. There are still a lot of places that were uh, the um, the Providence Performing Arts Center. Mm-hmm. I have asked them and was willing to donate any images, and they said, "Well, why do you want to come photograph here?" And I sent them links to. I usually send a link, you know examples of of the stuff and they were like well we want to know what you're going to do with these images i said i'll I'll do i want to take the photos if you say i cannot sell them i will not sell them but if you want to use them all i ask for is credit and if you print anything i want a copy of whatever you you if you make something out of it i want a copy of it um but places like that they some some places are very strict about no photography and they just don't i mean the 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 prime example is any of the Newport mansions. They right. don't allow anybody in there, and they and they and they and they won't. Um, but um, most of the places, if if I'm up front with them, they they'll let me in, um, make arrangements. How much of the? I mean, obviously, you film places, you've shot places that aren't reputed to be haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of the paranormal comes into the conversation when you are trying to to get into these places to shoot them? Well. A lot of, a few of the places actually for the haunted New England calendar that were are reportedly haunted, I would go there. It was the um, the theater in um, in Maine, the Bay Booth Theater, and uh, I went in there and met with the owner, and she said, "Oh, you know, you're here for the haunted New England calendar." I said, "Yeah," and she says, "Oh, okay," and and she's like, "Yeah, that's it's. I don't know why you guys are putting this in there, but it does have a reputation." By the end of the day, she's showing me photos that people have taken. She's telling me where the apparitions of Richie Havens has been here, and he's, he was talking to a boy that was standing in the corner. They would all kind of be standoffish until towards the end it would, they would start talking about anything. As a matter of fact, the, the Mark Twain house, the first time I went into the Mark Twain house with Jacques, nobody was there. There was a huge bang from, like, the third floor. And I, I didn't know it was empty. And I walk in, I, and, I, and I look at Jacques, and he's just like, he's just white. <laughs> but he would say that he's never seen anything. So um, it, the paranormal does come up from time to time. Yeah, it, definitely. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you get to straddle that line a little bit when you're going to these places to, to, to photograph them with us if we're trying to put together a legend trips event you know if i call and i have mentioned this on the air before because people always ask about it if i call battleship cove or i email them and say we really want to put on an event they're very like no we don't want anything to do with that right but you know if you want to go there and take photographs you can take photographs and you can do with them the way that you work Uh your magic on them and you can tell that ghost story in that photograph without ever actually having to mention that it's haunted and it, see, so you're able to get you're able to knock down doors that maybe we can't. Yeah, when you special battles, you know, Battleship Cove, you go in there and it's a lot like the Salem. The Salem was a lot more friendly to take photographs because it wasn't all the rooms uh, were covered with panel mm-hmm. and uh, plexiglass in Battleship Cove, but in um, Salem it was I think it was only like half, so you didn't have anything blocking your view. Um, but yeah. You, when you walk by an officer's quarters in the Battleship Cove, it's it's still set up and everything. It looks haunting. It's mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you know stuff went on there. Um, it just has an, a, a feeling to it that you know something happened. So, yeah, it's easy to – museum museums are usually set up like that. You know, the, the best place you recommend that I contact the uh, Fall River Historical Society. That place is gorgeous what? in there. It just looks like a painting when you walk in there. Unbelievable in there. Yeah, gorgeous inside of it. And they were really – they were more than happy to have that place photographed. And there's there's rooms in there that people don't get to see right. as part of you know visiting the historical society that I'm sure they love having preserved uh, in, in photographs. Right. The, the Mark Twain house was like that. They had a couple of rooms that were not even touched yet, and they had me photograph them as part of – when I went back for uh, to, shoot, uh, to shoot the place for Christmas. And, yeah, they, they did a before and after, so – there is a, there's a place we'll talk about. We only have about four minutes left in this hour. There's a place we'll talk about coming up in the next hour that actually, if anybody out there has about $240,000 kicking around that they don't have anything they're doing with, I got some business ideas for you. We can partner up on this. Uh, but there is one of the locations that Frank has uh, photographed and, and we have held the Legendships event at is now for sale. And people have the opportunity to actually own a piece of New England haunted history. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up in the next hour. I also want to get more into one of New Bedford's coolest locations that most people haven't had the chance to see, but that you've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time in, that being the Orpheum Theater. So we'll talk about that coming up as well. And it really, if anybody out there has had experiences or, or has ideas of some of these cool South Coast locations, Frank's probably already shot them, but yeah, we're always willing to take some suggestions of other cool spots. You can give us a call at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. You can follow Frank on Twitter at Trig Photography. And you can go to the website, which we have linked up uh, on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. But you can go to uh, TrigPhotography.SmugMug.com, right? Just, just .com. Just yeah. dot, straight.com? Yep. I tried loading that up, and it didn't work, but it must have been the computer here. Uh, we couldn't even load up our own website on this computer earlier. <laughs> WBSM.com wasn't coming up. Uh, so we'll, you know, it's all linked out to, I like, sent out the links on Twitter. If you follow us, at SpookySC, or if you follow the hashtag SpookyLive, you can find links to all of it. And you can see some of Frank's amazing work. I know, Matt, you've been running some of it on Spooky TV. So uh, you have the chance to see it there as well. and it, But it doesn't do it justice until you actually see it. And, and you have some of the shots for sale on, on mm-hmm. the yes, site? Yes, I do. Yep. And I can just imagine you know, what it must be like for somebody's got that. Somebody's got one of those hanging up in their living room uh, of a, maybe a place that they've been to. And people are walking into their house and they're saying, whoa, what is that? And then that story is coming to life for those people. Just like those stories will come to life on May 22nd at the Blackstone River Theater for an evening of ghost stories in New England legends. There was 25 tickets left as of a half an hour ago. That's probably cut in half by now. So get your tickets now by going to legendtrips.com if you want to not miss out on that. And also, by the way, while we're talking about Legend Trips, we do have another great investigative event up there as well. That would be Ventford Hall, which is happening June 13th. And it's going to be uh, just... One of the, from everything that I've heard, this is like one of the coolest spots that we could possibly get into. Any time that we get to go into one of these like you know fancy houses, one of these ritzy places, I always think, well, first of all, you don't know who you're letting in. <laughs> but second of all, not only is it a night to go around and poke around looking for the paranormal, but we also get to kind of see how the other half lives. So uh, if you want to come and spend the night with us in a not only a haunted spot, but also a hoity-toity spot, you can go to legendtrips.com and get your tickets for that as well. We have been discussing so many other ideas for Legend Trips events. 
because we want to have some places all lined up by the time this show comes around so people can get tickets that night. And uh, we're, we're talking about some pretty cool stuff, some returns to some old favorites, some possible new locations as well. So you can get on the mailing list at legendtrips.com to find out more about that. And, of course, you know everybody's like, oh, he's talking about legend trips, pushing legend trips all the time. Well, why do we push legend trips? Because we have raised over $23,000 to help these historic haunted locations. It's what we do. We go out there. We do these events as fundraisers to help them stay open, to help them do all the refinishing and the refurbishing they need to do to help them look as awesome as they look in Frank's shots all the time. So just go to legendtrips.com and you can find out more about how to join us for one of those great events. And sign up for the mailing list. You get first crack at tickets before they go on sale to the general. We, we put those out on the mailing list before I even tell Moniz and Matt about those events. Mm-hmm. You guys, Andy, most of you guys find out from, from the pre-sale yeah. email list. We do that to, you know, keep you on your toes. And also because I forget to tell you. (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take a break from the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with our guest tonight, Frank Grace. We'll also take your calls at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We'll be back with more Spooky South Coast coming up on the new 1420 WBSM. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with Stephanie Burke, the silent assassin Matt Costa, and science advisor Matt Moniz. And we are joined tonight by our guest in studio, Frank Grace, uh, Frank C. Grace, of uh, Trig Photography. That's just because, uh, sorry, that's, you know, separate from your dad, right? Way too many Franks in our family. Yeah, yeah. You guys are, uh, you're a very frank group of people. Yes, and the we frank, appreciate and it. the frank stops here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the uh, and, and literally it does, right? Because there is... Neither right. of your boys are named Frank. Nathan and Nicholas. That's right. So. It, it definitely stopped. But can I say one thing? Sure, absolutely. I um, this is like a real treat for me to be here because much, much. <laughs> uh, you no, can't. You don't smell it over the radio. To, to, so. to be on the show, um, because I've been listening to you guys for years before I even contacted you on Facebook. I mean, I would listen to. I, I have a forty-minute drive into work, so every you know Monday, I'd be like. Please let the latest, you know, the latest <laughs> upload be on, on, so I can listen to it on the way, you know, way in and back to for Mondays. But yeah, I've been listening to to, to you guys, you know, the thirty odd minutes, the spirit connections, and and all that stuff for for the longest time. I was thinking about this the the other day when we were having the meeting at Slater Mill for the stage show, and I'm thinking and I'm looking around the room, and like no ego involved, no no tooting my own horn, no tooting our horns or anything. But I'm looking around the room and I'm like, a good reason, a good portion of this probably wouldn't have happened if not for Spooky South Coast. Because it, it kind of brought a lot of these people together. And, and, you know, that kind of led into legend trips and that kind of, you know, and it, it's, so it's kind of like if we, Matt Costa, had never come in here and started doing the show, if we had never, you know, said, hey, let's give that paranormal stuff a try, 
then you know there's a lot of cool stuff that wouldn't have happened. A lot of cool experiences that people would have had that they might not have had. So we should we should pat ourselves on the back more often. We'll pat away. <laughs> I can't reach. I have short T Rex arms. You got to choose toot or pat because you were just going to toot your own horn. But now you're I will pat, so. toot my back and pat my horn. All right, I like there it. I like so. it. No, I think I, I think you're definitely definitely right. It's um, I I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Spooky South Coast. But it, what that means is that we were just supposed to do it, and that mm-hmm. it was the right thing to start getting people on their right path. So it's not you know it's not like anything that we did. It was just kind of a matter of. Somebody needed to do it. Somebody needed to have the voice for this area to open up to the topic of the paranormal. And it just so happened we were the two schmucks that they said, you guys want to do a radio show? Sure. Yeah, can we talk about ghosts? Well, we don't care. And then you stole me from another show. In fairness, <laughs> like we pr- we're on a little bit more often than that show. so Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I know that we haven't little, had a great track record in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, and, and, and uh, Tiffany's busy. You yeah. know, she's yep. all over the place these days. So, right. you know, this way here, you still have an outlet to talk, and, and we needed we needed more balance. We needed to have I'm another voice. I'm glad you voice. think I'm the balance, but I just yeah. kind of tell you that your clothes don't match and, and things like that. But we just <laughs> needed a, some freshness to the show. Right. So we actually are planning on adding about 72 new different cast members. Over the course of the All next right, couple so of years. So in that case, I will be on again in 2024. No, no, no. You're going to stay. Oh, We're okay, going to okay, leave. Okay. You're going to just take over. I don't think I can do that. All right. But no, I mean, I like having somebody else here. I love when we have people in the studio, and I love when we have a local approach to what it is that we're talking about, because this area is a fantastic hotbed for the paranormal. It is. And people around the world are recognizing that, and they're realizing that, and they're seeing the fact that we have a unique culture, we have a unique history, and we have some unique landmarks. And, mm-hmm. and one of the landmarks that we have seen come out of New Bedford when talking about you know, haunted places, if you go and if you Google search right now, What's it like? You could put like you know the ten creepiest places in America, Mm -hmm. you know the ten scariest locations in America, haunted locations around the world. Any one of those, you get all the BuzzFeed lists and all that stuff. Every single one of them features Frank's photograph of the Orpheum Theater, and and which is awesome. It how many nobody's been in there, right? How many times have we driven by there and said, "Oh my God, there's a theater there." Well, if any place is haunted, it's got to be that place. Mm-hmm. And and your imagery captures that perfectly. It captures the feeling of what it must be like for somebody opening that door for the first time in 60 oh, years. Oh, when I, f- I was telling that, when I first stepped in, when you first walk in there, and there's hardly any lights in there, there's, there's just working lights, and you look up at that ceiling and you see that fresco, and you just look at the seats and the stage and the piano that's there, it's it's... It is truly haunting. You just get the vibe. You can almost hear the audience in there still. Um, you go in the projection room, and a lot of the items still that when they had to convert over to movies are still there. You know, bottles of oil, old reels with the uh, print still in them, um, pieces of film. It's just, it is an amazing, amazing location. How did it come about that you, you got the chance to go in there? I saw my friend Brian Raposa. He did a video of one of the rope light tours. <clears throat> I think it was 2007 to 2009. Every year they would do a rope light tour. They had the rope lights mm-hmm. all over the uh, building, and they would have tours go through there um, during the day, and it didn't matter if it was day or night because it's pitch black in there. And I saw a video, and I'm like, oh, my God, I, 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 gotta, I want to get into that place and photograph it. And uh, Brian said, you got to talk to Chuck Hauk. 
And I think you know Sue Hulk, right? I know Chuck and Sue. Yeah, I've never actually met them, but through social media. Right, and um, got in touch with Chuck, and he said, come on to an Off Inc. They have an Offium Rising Project Helpers organization that's trying to get the acquire the building and eventually restore it and save it from further deterioration. Contacted Chuck and went to a couple of the meetings. Next thing I know, he's saying, come on, we're going in, and um, we're having some people from uh, the whale organization there who are going to help put it on the National Historic Register. And I went in there, and I started taking photos, and it was just it, it was amazing. It's Those photos cannot... Will not do that place justice once you're in there. It's just there's a lot of places that I'm sure you've been to them where you can tell that they closed down. Somebody came in, tried to do something else with it. Time had passed, what have you. They sold stuff off at auction. That looks to me from your photographs like it's a place where one day they just locked up and went home. That's exactly what happened. They they locked up, went home. uh, I think for a small, just a very small. Um, amount of time, the, the Black Panthers of all groups had a small office in one of the building in one of the offices there. But yeah, in 1959, it pretty much closed, locked up. And the, the best thing about that place is that um, it's it's as much as it's decayed, it's um, pristine. You know, it's there's no nobody has torn anything apart. It's just it's natural decay, but uh, it, it's gorgeous. And yeah. you actually stayed with the organization and, and served in, in some pretty serious capacities. Yeah, I, I was the. I, became the vice president and then eventually the president and um now um my friend ricardo's uh taking over and um but it's it's in a sticky situation now that the uh, building is completely empty and um it's for sale the bank actually who closed on the loan on the mortgage i think is trying to sell it again uh, well so the bank is in control of it, and, yes. and it's it's not going to go to somebody who wants to buy it and preserve it as a theater more than likely Unfortunately, what they have told us is that, um, look, we're going to sell this t- regardless of what the owner wants to, uh, the new owner wants to do with the building, whether it's restored or, or um, do something else with it, which you know would be knock it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what's unique about that building is that before Route 18 went down the front of it, every single building was actually torn down, <coughs> except for the Orpheum Theater. When they were doing um, studies on structural studies on it, it was actually cheaper to leave the building up than to knock it down because it was so well built. So they actually, if you, you look at the overhead map, the the Route 18 actually goes around. Mm-hmm. It, the reason it bends around that building is because of that building. <laughs> so they're like, we don't want to get into tearing that. Whole yeah, thing they down. they didn't even bother with it. They left it there. Yep. So uh, you had mentioned, by the way, what Ricardo what was his last name. Santos. Okay. So uh, he's currently serving as the president, and, yes. and they're working still to try and find a way to, to preserve it? They're still trying, yes. Yep. I mean, what would it, I mean, obviously it'd be easiest if somebody just came in, bought the building, and handed a blank check over to the organization for the restoration that's needed. But what is the, the plan that the organization is pushing uh, for that location to potential buyers and investors? The plan that's been um, discussed in the past was to turn it into a um, a school. You know, the, the, I know for a while the city was worried that it would be competing with the uh, with the Z, um, and they wanted it to be more of a um, more of a school, 
open up the rest of that because there's so many buildings. When that building was actually open, it wasn't just a theater. It was a pharmacy, a photographer's studio, tons of offices. It's a huge place inside. The theater is just one part of it. Um, so they had – it was like a multi-use um, uh, structure that they wanted to do with it. I can think of one potential buyer that would probably utilize it for exactly what you have in mind, uh, provided that everything goes well, and that would be if Foxwoods comes in with KG Urban and builds the South, the, uh, the South End Casino, that would be perfect. It would be within very close distance for them to be able to have an entertainment facility. Obviously, they're going to want to build a world-class entertainment facility on site, but how great would it be if they were able to refurbish that historic theater and keep that as part of the organization? That would be amazing. I think, though, they put money in the, the deal, though, is to uh, the money. There's a lot of money going to the Z. I, I mean, I could be wrong. Sure, I know I'm sure right that's now. part of it, but, but um, yeah. the Z will stay under city control, whereas this way here they could have their own historic theater to do their own events. Right. And no matter what, no matter what they build, they're going to be competing with the Z in some fashion. So this way here they could have their own piece of New Bedford history. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it was it's it's amazing. There's even a um, you would you'd like this, Matt? There's a, did you know that there's a French shop shooters hall in that building? I do recall you saying yes, something about that. Yes, uh, there is the French shop shooters. Uh, actually built that theater. They put money in. They actually uh, paid to have it constructed, and there's a uh, there's a shooting range still in there, in the building, on the second floor. Yeah. Hmm. They used to have competitions, <laughs> and the, the scoreboards are still, like, stuck to the stuck to the walls. It's Yeah, it's pretty amazing. They got the couches. Uh, I don't know what you'd call them, but you lay down to scope. and it, Shooter's rest. There you go. All that stuff is in, it was indoor. Hmm. They, I mean, there must be people out there that are listening that remember going to that theater and, and, and going to that building when it was in its glory. I mean, we have connections here in the studio to New Bedford's theater past, and mm-hmm. uh, there, there's probably a lot of people out there that remember it. And I'm sure that uh, the opportunity, if, if it can be restored and can be brought back, you know, the, the, the city, the people of the city will support two theaters running at once, absolutely, because... Even if it even if it just became a, a movie theater and, right. and not a stage production, or or became the community theater that, while well, the Zaitarians bringing in some of the national acts, right. it, yep. there's there's so much potential for it. One one of the things that I think would be uh, just amazing to have happen is if somehow some way the city found a way to get it back, and the city found a way to restore it and do it. And I know everybody's saying, you know, what are we going to do with the post office building? There's so many other buildings that take precedence over it, but there's so much of this city's cultural past that gets lost way too easily. It would be great at this point just to have it secured at least the roof so nothing else. At least if, if nothing could be done right now, put some kind of money, I don't know where they're going to get it from, but at least secure the roof to stop any anything else from getting in there and just being uh, just just having it just decay. Speaking of theaters, and, and I just covered the New Bedford Half Marathon. I was in the back of the truck, and I didn't think to look. Is is Cinema 140 still standing, the building? No, the building's gone. So we're down to, I mean, and obviously that was a later a later theater, but uh, we're really down to just what the Zyterian left mm-hmm. for any kind of operational theaters in the city, anywhere where you can, where the community can get in and have access outside of the high school. And but and, and I think the old high school still has an auditorium. They're redoing that too. So then that'll be for for city use as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a need. There's so much going on. There's so much culture in New Bedford now that how can you not have that be 
open. And and we were talking in the past that paranormal aspects could help keep it going and help support it. When the nights that you don't have somebody coming in and using it, why not have ghost tours? Why not have paranormal investigations as a way to keep that history alive and keep the money flowing in to keep the doors open? Oh, definitely. I mean, look at all the places uh, Legend Trips helps now. You, you mentioned it before, but it's, yeah, definitely it's true. I mean, we've never wanted to be kind of the... The, the home base team of any one location. We don't want to claim ownership of any location. But that's one place where you know that if you said we're going to have, you know, three, four times a month these paranormal nights, people would turn out and come out and, mm-hmm. and, and just go in there to, to be part of that living, breathing history. Even so, if it was just a ghost story tour, it wasn't just a paranormal investigation. It was, you know, lead you through a haunted tour. People would love that. Mm-hmm. Just to be in there and to be surrounded by, mm-hmm. you know, all that great memory of yesteryear. Right. So, and and what was it? somebody had called in and said that there's a a uh, a warehouse somewhere in the city that has all old movie props uh, stored up there and all kinds of paranormal activity surrounding them. Wouldn't it be great if some of that stuff could end up in the Orpheum Building and, uh, right. and you know become part of a, a almost like a museum? Oh, you thinking um, New Bedford Salvage? Yeah, the, that's the place that has a bunch of movie props in it. The gentleman called up and, and said he was going to get us in there and go in there and investigate. So You've, you've seen the that iconic shot of all the bathtubs, the clawfoot mm-hmm. bathtubs? Mm-hmm. That's in that place. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's an amazing thing. So much stuff in there. That's not the place that's closing, is it? Yeah, they, they're having trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in speaking of, uh, of iconic photographs, uh, one of the other places that when you – Look, anything to do with the S.K. Pierce Mansion mm-hmm. in Gardner, the also known as the Haunted Victorian, you've seen it on Ghost Adventures, you've seen it on Ghost Hunters, uh, you've seen it on, uh, what's that other story? My Ghost Story. Uh, My Ghost Story, what's the other one I'm thinking of, The Haunting? Mm-hmm. You've seen it on all those TV shows. Uh, when We've had Legend Trips events, a Legend, Trips, a Legend Trips event there, and whenever you see photographs of it, you see Frank's work. Right. And that's another place where you've been able to go in and capture some of the beauty of that. I mean, that's a, a beautiful house. It is. It is. Oh, definitely. But it's also somebody's house, too. And for the most part, as much as they tried to keep things as historic as, as it was, you know, you're able to go in there and find, through the way that people are living in, it, in the modern way, you're able to find that historical eye around all of it, too. Yeah, they have it very well decorated. Yeah, um, Tina, actually, they actually uh, invited me there. And um, we happened to go there uh, right after the um, Houghton Mansion legend trip. Yeah, that was that was an, on the way back. We stopped stopped there. I remember uh, Alicia and Kristen talking about that. Yeah, They're like we're going to do this. That's yeah. like all right, yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> have fun. I'm exhausted. You guys have fun. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous place. Yeah, and and it, it's now it's for sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the asking price is $329,000. You will have to redo the plumbing for that price, uh, but. When you're looking at a 10-room Victorian mansion right. with a history like that place has, and it's zoned commercial, which a lot of people don't realize because of the, the where it's located. It's zoned commercial, so you can operate a business out of there. Mm-hmm. So whether it be turning it into a bed and breakfast, whether it be having it, which, you know, it could work as a bed and breakfast. It certainly could. Uh, paranormal events could certainly take place there. They've had a lot of success with those in the past. Uh, there, you know, there's a great amount of cleanup needed on some of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moni's pooped a lot up in the top. I mean, pigeons have, uh, you know, turn- it is. There's the whole widow's walk area is. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't mean the, the birds. I'll take the birds Moniz. over Moni's. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But Gee, thanks. I, I can tell you that That's when true. we were there, 
I mean, the night that we had the event, mm-hmm. I was in the basement, which was the only night I actually was lucky to be in the basement because it was warmer than the rest of the house. Right. But um, I'm looking at Moniz. He's like, you know how many times you sent me down to freezing-ass Lizzie's basement in February? But uh, It probably still wasn't as cold as the upstairs of that house. <laughs> it was terrible. So cold. And and what's funny is that wasn't really a particularly cold November, but that was a cold night. Yes, it was. And uh, and sending everybody outside to pee in the porta potty was was fun too. We should have gotten that the was heat. just cruel. If I had known there was a heated porta potty available, I would have rented that one instead. But I I was unaware. But that place, I was in the basement, and and the activity was kind of just off the charts mm-hmm. down there. We captured something on the Connect system there. So it's certainly a place that has a, a, a lot of activity, has a lot of history. You're getting to go in there and be there. Really, you're just there when, well, when you were coming. There was nobody living there at the time, right? Like nobody the pipes, was, nobody yeah, was the there pipes had already burst. No. Yeah, the the Tina who, who um, invited me in there, she was like caretaker of it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're getting to to get in there when when nobody else is around, and you're there with people who I know. You know, I know Alicia and Kristen are. They've got their everything out. Oh yeah, they were ready. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just can't believe that you did have an experience while you were there with uh, yeah, all the, the activities happening. The only well, it, I I was a part of an experience there. I guess um, Tina did have her uh, recorder going on the second floor when I was on the second floor, and you can hear me walking around the you know, the wooded woods cracking, and um, you can hear the camera going. And, and she actually did catch an EVP of a little boy. And I think it, uh, think it said, "Stop! Please make him stop." And then you hear right after that a, a real angry voice say, "Stop!" Like I mean, just stop. Wow. Yeah, stop. Yeah. And she sent it to me. She said, "You, you have to hear this." And I, I can hear me. I, I can hear me mumbling or something. And and right, you can, you can definitely hear the the EVP. But I didn't, I didn't, didn't hear anything or feel anything when I was there. It's just such a such a cool spot. So many of the places, though, that you get the chance to photograph, even if they're not, you know, paranormal places, they have legends that surround them. They have stories that surround them. It doesn't necessarily have to be a haunting, but there's always some little quirky thing uh, that that photograph can end up embodying and, and, and emblazoning. So, and I love the way that it works. And and not to give too much of the behind the scenes stuff out to people, but like we work so well in concert with each other where. We'll book an event somewhere, and we'll say to Frank, you know, we're going to need some photographs for the website. And he's like, so I get to go there? And then he'll go to places and be like, you guys should really check this place out. It'd be great for an event. And and I remember when we were talking about Edaville and trying to put that together. And you're like, well, I get to go and shoot it, right? <laughs> and, and you got access before any of the rest of us did to some of the places that nobody else could get access to in the past. Yeah. Oh, you, you were actually the first person I ever knew that had stepped foot in the suicide house. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, other than the stories that I'd heard from yeah. people that had worked there, yeah. but you're the only person whose paranormal opinions I trust. Yeah, I remember driving back from Winchenden. I'm texting Tim like, Tim, I just came back from the Murdoch-Whitney house. The owner wants you to call him. He's interested <laughs> in an event here. Yeah. And, and you know what was funny is that was one of those things where we're looking at it, and, and he's saying it's a beautiful house, mm-hmm. and we see his shots, and... We're thinking to ourselves, but there's not a lot of paranormal history to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we didn't realize that, you know, the Legend Trips audience would be willing to go to a place that doesn't have a strong paranormal history because they want to get in and, and be the firsts. Mm-hmm. So we were a little bit concerned about that. And we're like, uh, we're not really sure that this will be an event that will sell. Well, not only did it sell, 
it sold out. And the night was incredible. We had so much stuff going on. Well, Matt with the peach pits, right? Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Threw them at Tim, too. <laughs> it was just, it, I was just talking with some people at uh, SalemCon last week that were at that event. And they were like, that's still one of the best places that we've ever investigated. And it just came together because you were out there, you know, filming it. You were out there shooting it. And, and you thought it would be a good fit for everybody. And so it actually works out well. You know, you can kind of be the advanced scout a little bit for some of these spots. And, uh, and if anybody out there has not seen Frank's work, again, we've been putting out the, I've been tweeting out the website. We've been putting it up there. It's trigphotography.com. You can check it out and see some of these shots yourself. But the, the high dynamic range photographs, mm-hmm. how did that process start for you? How did you discover that process? I saw other people's photos like that, and what it does when I would see them, they have a tremendous amount of detail that your typical single-shot photo doesn't have. Um, and basically you take a lot of, uh, you take many different uh, images, all different exposures, so you can actually see details in the highlights and the lowlights, put them together with software, and you can pull out, crazy amount of detail that you typically don't see and it ha- what I like about it is it has that surreal effect it's it's almost hyper real it's, it's like you're there one of the first series of photographs that I saw you used it and I'm not sure if it was one of the first that I saw one of the first you used it in was the, the Jacqueline's uh, from Roger right, Williams. Right. And if you look at it, I mean, I've got this pulled up on my screen right now, but if you look at this. Those are so cool. It looks like it's something out of a Tim Burton movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, obviously, the people who craft the pumpkins are, are, are you know, uh, obviously pretty talented themselves. But the way that you're able to, to bring out the creepiness, I mean, that's kind of like the perfect example of what it is that you can do. That was a, that was a place where they don't let you in with a tripod. Brought a tripod. I didn't know you couldn't bring a tripod, and I brought and I took a. Have you ever been to the uh, the show? Not not to that one. No. It's it's usually jam packed. There's so many people go to see it, and um, so I take a. I took a couple of shots, and I next thing I know, I get a phone call from the guy that runs the thing. It's like, oh my god, you have to come back next year and take photos. <laughs> Name your price. <laughs> And I've been doing it ever since. He's like, I'll name my price. Let me bring a tripod. And he, well, yeah, he says, I'll tell you what, you can come when the show closes and take as long as you want. We'll we'll wait for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and what it is for them, the, the best the the best part is, I capture the pumpkins that two days later they they're gone. They just rot. Right. Two yeah. or three days, you know, depending yeah. on the weather, and they all the artists are usually there, and they're like, oh, you know, thank you so much. I. I can't get a good photo of this thing lit. I don't know how you do it, but I like how it comes out. I can actually see, I can actually see it lit, and it, I'll have it to remember, you know, mm-hmm. years from now when the things, you know, fertile, you know, it's fertilizer. Amazing. Yeah, then the, those guys are crazy with the amount of detail they put in there. Can you imagine how long that takes? It, it takes quite a while, boy. Yeah, yeah, it it's takes quite crazy. a while. A lot of them are actually made, I think, in Connecticut, and they mm-hmm. actually ship them in. Yeah. So if you know you're going there, you're taking the photograph, and then how long is it from the time that you take the shots to actually being able to have the finished product? For those, well, see, I can't sit still, so I'll I'll do it that night if I if I come home at a reasonable hour. I'll do some, you know, at least at least the favorites. Um, but usually, if if something's not wor- the 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 pumpkins, I kind of have a good uh, workflow down on those, um, so it's pretty easy to do. 
but yeah, those anything else if it's if a photo is taken too long in Photoshop or whatever, mm-hmm. it's I just if it's you know I just stop from the beginning. But um, yeah, those those they even flew me down to I was telling Matt they flew me down to Louisville to photograph the show there. Wow. Yeah, they started the show there. Yeah. I mean, but really, I mean that is something that um, it's kind of like the perfect the perfect thing, the perfect subject for you to apply this to, right. but also it's the perfect thing to kind of highlight how you work in the paranormal and how you work in the, the strange and the unusual a little bit. And, you know, some of these shots, I look at them and I'm like, wow, you know, for example, I'm looking at a, a shot of a sunflower. I'm like, that's a beautiful shot. But my eyes are drawn more toward the creepy right. abandoned right. places uh, because, you know, a, a, a flower is a beautiful thing. And anybody, I think, can look at that and appreciate the beauty in that and the beauty in nature and the beauty in the seaside and, and some of the, you know, the architecture of New England. But you can make a place that most people wouldn't want to go 10 yards any closer than, than, uh, than 10 yards closer. You are able to make it look like a place that not only do you want to get there and see it for yourself, but you want to be part of that place. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And that, that's, that, that's what I try to do. It's try to, when you look at it, you can envision being there. Which which happens to fit in with the ghost show. Well, it's, and, and that's how it kind of works so perfectly is that even if people don't know the story at all behind one of your photographs, it's going to compel them to look it up. So, like, you know, for example, if you shoot uh, an abandoned factory somewhere that I've never heard of, I look at those photographs and I immediately start Googling right. it and seeing, like, well, what's the story here? Because there's got to be a story based on just how creepy and cool those photos yeah, look. Yeah, that's why I try to. I look. Uh, I try to find something to go with the photo. I mean, I don't. I, I don't write nearly uh, pretty much none of those. The, the uh, detail. I'll, I'll source where it came from because I, I don't like putting a photo up that there's no. You know, I don't like looking at a photo where there's. I don't know what it is, where it was taken. So I try to find something interesting. I love the to where, to, Yeah, to where it goes. So you kind of know exactly what was there and, and what you're looking at. It, it, it makes it, I think. One of my favorite parts about your work is I know how you feel about doing portraits. Oh. Yet everybody that I know, it's in the paranormal world or, or you know, works in, in this, this weird stuff that we work in. They're always like, well, I want Frank to be the one to take my portrait. Yes. And, and you feel like it's not one of your strong suits. We, yeah. we tortured him. When I, well, I know I was trying to be nice, but Tiffany tortured him. <laughs> Tiffany tortures me with her cell phone. I know. Take but- 40 pictures. We said, Frank, you have to take our pictures. Please take our pictures. We we need pictures. And he was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I'll take your pictures. How about this place? How about that place? And he picked the most amazing place I had never been to, Parsons Reserve in Dartmouth. See, well, that's interesting because Tiffany told me you picked that place. Really? Yeah. I thought you did. Yeah. Or maybe I did. I don't remember I think now. You did. Yeah. So, but I had never been, but I had always seen pictures. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll take a pic picture there and we'll do whatever i walk in i couldn't even believe everything that i saw i was surrounded by daffodils it was amazing frank took the most amazing shots ever and then i yelled at him afterwards because i said do you know how well these pictures came out better than any picture i've ever taken don't be hard on yourself i think what it is with the pictures of people is that you know the buildings they don't you know they don't have an opinion (laughs) you know the, the locations the sunset doesn't have an opinion on on how it came out um not that I've had a bad experience or anything, but it's just—it's uh, nerve-wracking. The, the, yes, sun, the sunset isn't telling you as you're taking its picture. You know, I used to model, right? So don't get this wrong. 
I have never said anything like that. I know you would never say that. I would that. never. But I it's the same thing as if I were to give a reading. It's nerve-wracking to give a one-on-one reading because you're afraid of what the person's thinking on the other side of things. So I get it. I understand it. But, oh, my God, you take amazing pictures. But to be asked to be taken somebody's photo, is it is quite the honor, though. I mean, it well, is. And you've been able to put personality and depth into yes. pictures of people who Moniz won't get in front of a camera. He just he's not comfortable with it. Uh, Andy, he's another guy. He doesn't really want us. And the picture, picture that taken. you took of Andy is phenomenal, and he says it all the time. Yeah, I, li- I like that one. That one was a quick. That was a slate of milk. Two seconds. Right. Yeah. You know, and when you took a me looking like Vigo. I love that one. <laughs> you know when when you when I took that and I sent it to you and you said who it was, I had no idea. I completely. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I pulled up the image. I'm like, it does look just like. Her. <laughs> we got to get him into a suit of armor. <laughs> I have one. Oh, see? I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's but not weird. I, and and I, was, I got married in it. That's even weird. Where else is this going? We're, yeah, this is getting very strange. <laughs> Quick, back to photography. He's, yes, he's still friends with the uh, dwarf. That was the ring bearer too. <laughs> but the. Uh, the I still remember, and, and it's right here uh, under the events uh, photographs too. That was that was the first night that you were ever photographing a Legend Trips event, right? Where they were doing the Ouija session. Yes, and yep. and that ended up being kind of the iconic Legend Trips picture for. That's what made me want for a, a photo long bomb. time. Made, I mean, made you what? Made me want a photo bomb. Really? Yes. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, wow! Just look. At this. I'm looking at some of these and I, I forgot about like just some of the cool events that we've had and some of the crazy photos that have uh, popped up at some of them. But um, yeah, I mean, if you have the chance, just go to trigphotography.com and you can check out all the photographs there. But I, you see through a lot of these events and, and through some of these paranormal things that go on, just how much it can help too to have you there doing what it is that you do while people are investing. So they're taking the photo. They're the ones trying to take the photographs of activity. They're the ones trying to capture some sort of anomaly. You're there capturing them going through that process. Right, yep. And and it adds a, a whole new dimension to it because part of the lecture that I gave uh, at Salem Con last week was I was talking about Heisenberg, and I was talking about the need to not not – not the meth Heisenberg, but the mechanics <laughs> Heisenberg. After the suit of armor, I'm a little scared. But I was, and I was talking about, uh, you know, how uh, there needs to be an observer to observe things, but that the act of act of observing changes what's happening. And so the. All right. So what did you do with the cat? I didn't do anything. I didn't. I I left the cats out of it. I figured that Jeff uses the cats. So, uh, but I, I, I use the, the idea of, you know, in terms of the paranormal, we say that the paranormal, at least I believe that paranormal can't happen if there's no human element there to perceive it. I don't think houses are haunted until somebody's there to understand that haunting. That's, that's what I'm going with. That's, that's what I think. I think we play a factor in that haunt happening. All right. So when you're saying when paranormal activity happens in a house... Like objects being moved and stacked, you know, chairs stacked up on tables when there's nobody in there. You're saying that's not paranormal activity because somebody, until, until somebody comes in and sees Somebody's it. going to experience that. It's being done for the experiencer to experience it. So it's not like there's no reason for it to exist without it happening to somebody. You see what I'm saying? 
Like, there's no reason for it to, so it wouldn't. Kind of going with the, the simplest explanation for it. We need somebody to experience it for it to be an experience. You kind of like if you cut down a tree in the middle of the forest. The same exact thing. You know, and, and yeah, I mean, yes, falls. it will make the sound. Mm-hmm. But the sound doesn't mean anything until somebody hears it. Right. The activity doesn't mean anything until somebody experiences it. And I think that what you're capturing is you're capturing that side of it. You're capturing the fact that there wouldn't be this activity if those people weren't there trying to document it. And and it wouldn't have a reason to exist. And, and maybe those people wouldn't have a reason to be there if, if it wasn't for that. And so you're telling kind of that outside, almost like a journalistic approach, but at the same time, you're able to heighten the experience of what people went through. People look at that photograph and they say, wow, that's exactly what I was feeling at that time. That photo looks like the way that I felt. Oh, that's cool. And that's something that... that. You capture the emotion because you say that you're not sensitive and you you can't do any of that, but you capture that exact emotion that everybody should be feeling at that time while looking at that image. And that's a gift in itself. I talk, I write, and I can't find words to describe some of the experiences that I've had and that people have had at these events, but you can show them the picture and they say, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. So, and then we, I know that I keep saying picture. I'm not, I know I should be a little bit more nuanced. They are photographs, uh, but I, you, you know how I am with photographers. I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah, you guys just go and take, it's, it's, it's the journalist in me, the writer in me. We're like, yep, we write the stories. You guys go take the pictures. You have the easy job. You know, we're the ones that have to go home afterwards and spend three hours agonizing over every word. You guys just upload the pictures, right? That's all you do. And he's like, no, no, that's not what we do. That's not what we do at all. Well, that, that's how I feel about this ghost show. Is you, you, I'm watching them like, I would not want to be up there telling these, telling these <laughs> but, stories and doing the preparation. And But that's the easy part because all we have to do is you put up the slide and people are already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hardest job for us is to remember to frame the story uh, based around the fact that the photograph is right behind that's us. Gonna be there, yeah. You know, that's the hardest thing. Really, my hardest job for that entire night is to not walk in front of the projector. Like, that's the one thing that I'm the most worried about out of anything is I'm going to have people yelling at me, move, you're in the way. I'm thinking electric dog collar. That's what I'm thinking. Do it. Do it. Put that fence Invisible fence. Yeah. Yeah, Put that up. I'll put those little, like, masking tape X's everywhere and make him follow along the... Oh, we will have... There will be spots. I don't care what Jeff says. There will be spots on the stage. Well, we're working with a very small space. Mm -hmm. And even in the rehearsals, we've measured it out and we've laid it out of where we can go and what we can do we have a chair and that's like what your range is of where you can go and we were all blowing it and tim's dancing all around the stage really? oh, we yeah. were all we were i'm pretty sure that i like did like a, a i was uh, again we're not going to give away too many of the stories but obviously one of the things that we'll cover is the red-headed hitchhiker because mm-hmm. that's one of the most prominent legends in right. southeastern new england and I'm telling the story, and I'm walking across the stage like I was going to hitchhike. No, you can't do that. You're walking in front of the in front of the. Projector it's very hard to right train now. yourself to do something like that, especially when you're trying to be animated for mm-hmm. the story, but you are also constricted so that you don't get into the way. Right. I think what what's cool about this too is we've been able to weave all of these together. We've been able to weave some of these stories in a way that makes sense to the person sitting in the audience. So it's not just going to be a random collection. You know, when you read a book of ghost stories, 
they never just say, here's a book of ghost stories. They find a way to organize them. They'll be you know, the main chapter, the Massachusetts chapter, whatever. And we found what we hope will be a way of weaving them all together through themes and common threads. And you must find a lot of that when you're out there shooting these places. You must find a lot of common threads and, and themes in some of these places. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're filming uh, old abandoned mental asylums, you've got Kirkbrides all oh, over yes. the place. You know, the, the architecture can be one of those themes, or, or some of the tragedy that's happened in them can be a theme. And you have the different architecture, the Gothic or Victorian-style, you know, places. Yeah, definitely. What's your favorite type of a location to shoot? Definitely the abandoned places. Yeah, without a doubt, the abandoned places. Is it, even on that regard, is there, you know, do, do hospitals stand out more? Do, uh, you know, you you, ha- you had the chance, you were like the last photographer into Lincoln Park, right? Yeah, I, th- I think the, um, probably the hospitals. Yeah? Yeah, hospitals, because my mom was a nurse and i remember her telling me stories when she was on like the psych ward and she wasn't she wasn't admitted she was a nurse right. on the psych ward. but um yeah of just the i don't know there's something interesting uh, alluring i guess about insanity um and the way they used to treat people back then um and how people survived and did anything to survive so and that makes an imprint on the location mm-hmm. definitely yeah yeah you yeah you see, you see the equipment that they used back then. Yeah, so, most definitely. And just to take a step back, to I didn't mean to, to step all over you with mentioning the Lincoln Park there, but you were there the day that they were tearing down the, the cyclone, right? Uh, the day before. Yep. Was it cyclone or the comet? The comet. Comet. Yep, yep. The comet. Yeah, the, I was there the the, uh, the day before. A friend of mine wanted to go. Uh, it, he said the comet meant so much to him. So he says, "Hey, let's go, and um, it's going to be knocked down tomorrow. You know, you want to go." And I was taking photos. I took a bunch of photos of him there because as soon as he got there and he started looking around, he actually started crying. This place meant so much to him. And I was like, wow. I actually climbed up one of the, 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 the top layer and pulled down a, like a light bulb fixture mm-hmm. that was still there from 1986, unbroken, mm-hmm. and gave it to him. And he was just, oh, my God, thank you. I am putting this in some kind of trophy case. He was just so moved. And, um, yeah, that was... That was uh, amazing. And and those photos went viral, too. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Everybody yeah. sharing them as, uh, as the park came down, as the, as the comic came down. But one of the uh, great things about it is, you know, you're, you're there preserving the final moments in time for a place. And, and you're there giving people what might be the last, lasting image of it. So you're not just... You're not just there taking a photo for you, and you're not just there taking a photo for everybody that was ever there before, but you're taking it to serve as the reminder for anybody that has never heard of it. It becomes a piece of history. Right. And to get back to the Orpheum, I've, as, as bad a shape it's in, to, I think it's important to have those photos. I've been in other theaters um, that have been in worse shape than the Orpheum is now, and they are completely restored working and they're amazing looking so yeah it, it's always it's a snapshot in history of what it is just at that at that moment i mean in some places you hope like the orpheum that it's a brief part of their history you hope you always hope it's a before picture mm-hmm. and hopefully there's something better or at least a better after picture not a, no you know not an empty parking lot or something is is there is there a location whose story you want to tell hmm See, I, I still want to go to the places like Waverly Hills and Rolling Hill, uh, Waverly and Rolling Hills and stuff like that. Um, 
But uh, I'm trying to think if there's any place. Well, I'm pulling your phone right off. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of any place like at the top of the list. Of the, well, actually, the, the only one that's really at the top of the list is Lakeville. It's the Lakeville. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's I'm not risking. You if you know. ever need an assistant for that shoot, let me know. Let me make a call. It, it's it. Trust me, it's it, not yeah. going to make a difference. No. Nope. I made a call that was a significant call, and was shut down by the people that are in charge and own the building. Nobody's getting in. Okay. Unless you're sneaking in, which we can't condone. Right. It, the way that it's gone, this has, I know that you probably you might have had a contact uh, in the past. The the not anymore. Not with the current. The developer. The, yeah. yeah, the current developer that took it over and tried to sell it to um, uh, Cisco, and that whole deal fell through. Ever since that happened, that key has been locked, and nobody's getting in. All right, I knew one of the administrators that was part of the um, conservatory for it. Oh, yeah, they, 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 they won't even let those people on the grounds anymore. Okay. Anybody that's connected with that place, forget it. I called, you know, to, just to tell the story here, when I'm researching for ghost stalkers, I'm looking for locations that I think have, you know, that have never been on TV that have mm-hmm. a significant history. And I'm calling with the money of the network behind me to be able to tell people, we will pay you to let us come in here and film. I don't think it's any big secret that these places get a location fee. Right. You know, they're giving up their places for the time. So I'm calling up and I'm giving them a significant amount of money, probably more money than um, most shows would promise to get into those types of places because I knew how unique it was and mm-hmm. I had to go through all kinds of hoops and get all kinds of permission. And the realtor said to me on the phone, no, you're not listening to what I'm telling you. I don't care. Unless it's the asking price of the location, unless it's the full asking price, you're not getting in. Wow. I was like, thank you. Have a nice day. I mean... This, and this was, by the way, after I was kept on hold for an hour and a half while they transferred me to the right office. I called. I went to the hospital. There's a pharmacy across the street. I called the number from my cell phone sitting in the car of the pharmacy parking lot, and I held on for an hour and a half till they got me to the right person. Uh, I got transferred to Indiana. I got transferred to Florida, and I think Florida was where I finally talked to the person. And that person put me on hold and said... They said, I'm going to make a phone call. Call me back and said, no, it's not happening. And I was like, well, what if we... No, you're not, it's not happening. I couldn't believe it. I figured if any if anybody oh, yeah. was going to get in, it would be a TV show. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. But it's it's sad, too, because you've heard it. We've both talked oh, to people yeah. who have been there. You know, it's, it's extremely active. And there's so many personal stories that have happened there. And... I dug into the history of it for my first book, Ghost of the South Coast, and there's so much of it that isn't told. You know, most of that history that you and I might have heard, or, well, you're a little older than me, so you were probably new when it was actually an operational hospital, because um, it only closed down in the early 90s. I had friends and relatives that worked there. No, so, my grandmother did, too. So you're talking with people still, though, that only worked in the, the modern version of the hospital. Not even when it was a tuberculosis colony, even before that. And there's all those buildings in the back that were all yeah. mm-hmm. the, the residential housing for the people that had tuberculosis. And, you know, all of that story that could have been told, and they'd rather just let it sit there and rot until somebody comes and knocks it all down to build a supermarket, which isn't going to happen because the town won't let them come in and build a supermarket. So it's just a big... And eventually it'll... I'm sure eventually it'll get sold and it'll be turned into condominiums, which... Yeah. 
is all that it can be for people that just want to walk across the street and take the train to Boston every day. But it's uh, it's just a shame that knowing that that's probably the eventual fate of it, mm-hmm. that nobody can get in there and tell the story. But then again, at the same time, I have to blame all of you people out there that are listening that sneak in yes. and, and go in there without permission because you're the reason why people can't get in there legitimately mm-hmm. because you're the ones that are going in there and putting up on line that you went in there and snuck in and falling and getting hurt and all this other stuff, but I don't want to get off on a rant. Right. It must be terrible for you, Frank, to have to hear those heartbreaking stories from some of these people when you're there filming, uh, uh, photographing these locations, and they're telling you, yeah, we've had a lot of problems with people breaking in. We've had a lot of problems with people coming in here and smashing stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 The Ophium door has been ripped off a couple of times. It's oh. ridiculous. It's, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No. The reason why you're there is because you think that it's such... The reason why you're sneaking in there is because you think it's such a unique location. Why would you want to harm it in any way? Right. <sighs> I don't know. I, we only have a few moments left, so I'll, I know that I'll end up getting all kinds of uh, worked up. And that'll lead to me complaining about all kinds of stuff. All right, so on. let's switch the subject. How yes. about um, your dream location, Frank? Anywhere in the world that you could f- photograph. Oh, the catacombs in France. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, probably. That's, really that's yeah. <laughs> All right, here's one. What place would you be least likely to want to photograph? Moniz's house. From what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, probably. yeah. <laughs> um, least what? likely to photograph. I don't think there's anything that I, you know... If it had some kind of historical significance that I wouldn't want to. I mean, I would th- I would think probably one of the worst things to have to photograph would be a place without any character whatsoever. Oh, yeah, definitely. Empty rooms is, yeah. Empty rooms is empty rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but even then, if it's, if it's going to be turned into something else, there's a lot of empty rooms in the stadium building, but um, eventually those things are going to be used and right. used again. So, I mean, the... There's got to be a point where you look at it and, you know, you walk into a place and you say, I don't know what I can do. Yeah, there are definitely some places that, you know, there's only so many things you can capture. Like, I've seen some of your stuff in your portfolio. You've gone to places that one of us drives by, we take one or two photographs, and you found a way to keep finding different angles and different shots. I mean, if you look at some of your work at Fort Tabor... You know, you've gone down there and found different atmospheric conditions to take photos in. You found different angles, and you've found, you found, you know, what could have been the same shot over and over again. You've given a different look and different depth each time you've gone down there. Yeah, the, the biggest impediment I have is the weather. You right. Know, if it's, you know, it's... It, Outdoor uh, places like Valley Forge or stuff like that. Into Valley Forge. You hit Valley Forge on the way back from Penhurst, actually. So that was a cool spot. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the weather, if it's if you you want to get a creepy shot and, the, you know, it's it's sunny, you blew out, it's tough to make anything look, you know. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still good to have a shot of it. Yeah, Fort Tabor is really nice. What has been your most favorite location so far? Trans-Allegheny, the lunatic asylum. Interesting. That was well worth the 10-hour drive. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. It's not like you can just load everything up into a plane and, and fly either, you know. I mean, right. cost prohibitiveness alone, yeah. when you're bringing your equipment, you don't want to be checking any of this stuff. Yeah, it's, right. and what's great about Trans-Allegheny is that it has 
spots that are completely, you know, you, you wonder, you know, if this was in Massachusetts, they wouldn't let you in here mm-hmm. because you'd fall through the floor. Wow. But then there's other places where it's just pristine, restored, and, and it's gorgeous. So you get a little bit of both there. It's, that's why I like that place so much. Well, you can see a lot of Frank's photographs of some of New England's creepiest places as we present an evening of ghost stories and New England legends coming up on May 22nd at the Blackstone River Theater in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Tickets are just $15, but there's probably only about 20 or so left right now. Uh, So you want to make sure you get on legendtrips.com and get those ahead of time. There'll be $20 at the door, but there will not be any left at the door. Not the way this show is selling out. So please try and get on legendtrips.com as soon as you can to get those tickets you don't want to miss out on this and if all goes well we could be taking this on the road and uh, this could be something that you know we could be putting this on in theaters that you're also shooting at the same time you know send, send me to more locations <laughs> i need an excuse uh, so definitely come out and see the c frank's work you you're going to have some prints there i don't care what you say there will be some prints there for people to purchase and they can also get them from trigphotography.com as well go there check out his work follow frank on twitter at trig photography and uh, you know it, you always you know when you're in a cool place you always throw some photos up even if it's just you know live shots that you're taking while you're yep, there before definitely. you've even done any work to them so uh, you can follow along with his adventures there we will be back next saturday night with another show for you lots of cool guests coming up here in the coming weeks if you've ever missed an episode you can always go back and listen to them on podcast via spookysouthcoast.com or wherever podcasts are found and of course we repeat each and every week on the dark matter radio network as well which we're excited to announce that coming up this july Art Bell will make his return to radio. He'll be on Dark Matter Radio, and we will be there with him as well. So how great is that? We're going to be on the same network as Art Bell, the master and the spooky crew, together. I didn't think it could ever happen. I didn't think he would ever lower himself to surrounding himself with this company. But uh, apparently he's like, you know what? Uh, Yeah, you don't have to kick them off yet, but we'll see what happens. We still have until July. So until (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, hopefully, I'm hoping that we can get him to come on the show and and talk about go. it before he comes back. But we'll see if we can uh, if we can work all that out. Keith, if you're listening, help us make that happen. We would love to have Art here on the show to promote his return with the Dark Matter Radio Network. Until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Frank, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. Stay spooked. ABC News.